it took me by surprise how much I felt so different within myself. And a lot of my identity was caught up in my work and I wasn't working. So where was I getting my identity from? We had all the risk factors ticked for a breakdown. I would wake up at quarter to six. I would get Angus up at five to six. We'd be out the door by 10 past six. We would be at daycare at 6.31. We are generally caregivers at home too. We're generally mothers. So we've got like this double whammy. How do I encourage and motivate caregivers to care for themselves when it's the last thing we put on our priority list? So I was always about the sick babies, the babies, right? Now I'm like, oh, the mothers. It only takes a minute of conversation with Claire Kelly to realise the glass is always half full. You won't hear her complaining about night shift or burnout or going through a separation and a period of single parenting because she's just not wired that way. She is, however, wired to be a midwife. Her love for what she does is visceral. She's fiercely passionate about caring for both mothers and healthcare workers because both roles, as she knows all too well, can be a tough slog. This was such a fun and frank conversation, and in it, we cover single parenting, midwifery, raising three boys, shift work, burnout, and what's to come for Claire in 2023. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the passionate and positive Claire Kelly. Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for being on the show. Can you start by introducing yourself and your family? Thank you for having me to start off with. I am beyond excited. This is just so, so good to see. Um, I'm Claire. I'm a nurse and a midwife and a mum to three beautiful boys. I have Angus, who's six, going on 16, of course. (laughs) Um, uh, Darcy is our two and a half year old uh, toddlers. That's all I have to say to encompass him. <laughs> um, and Isaac is our newest addition and he's 12, just ticked over 12 weeks old. So, Wow, so the, you've definitely uh, got your hands full. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit about your career to date and how you got into midwifery? I had always had ideas of going into working with babies, um, probably due to the stories around my birth and my mum and we would speak often about when I was born and the different experiences with my sister and my brother as well. So I had always had thoughts of healthcare or ba- I guess babies in particular. I was like, well, I'm either going to have lots of babies at 18 or um, <laughs> or around that time, um, or I'm going to work with them. So um, nursing was what I did first because I thought you needed to do nursing to be a midwife. Mm-hmm. And I thought I needed to be a midwife to work with babies in the capacity that I wanted to. So did my... Did, went to uni, did my degree, um, that was down in Geelong and then moved to Melbourne and did my nursing grad year and I probably struggled a lot through that. I was working full-time shift work to start off with and, you know, 21 wow. and doing all the things and then was really debating whether I did my mid-post-grad following on to that. So where I worked um, had an employment model so you were employed through the hospital and could also study. So it was a win-win for me but I was really debating if I should I thought, you know what, I wanted to do it for so many years. I'll give myself the benefit of the doubt and sort of go into it fairly burnt out already mm. um, and did it and and l- loved it. 
but putting it into practice and working, I found like that juggle challenging because, you know, what you learn in uni is this beautiful philosophy of midwifery and being with women. And then when you're working in a hospital setting and you're actually pulling your weight on a shift, it's very different. So Um, many variables. It's, it's just so different to what you sort of learn in the textbooks and what evidence shows us as well. So I then did my mid-grad year and it was a couple of years into just working on the wards. And so I rotate through birth suite, postnatal and special care nursery. I left and then worked at in NICU at another leading Melbourne tertiary hospital, which I loved, but sent me straight to burnout town. And really so intense I, environment. Huge, hugely. And, and look, that's a whole other conversation in itself. I love the work. It was the social, emotional side of things that just I couldn't deal with. And at that time mm. I was single, footloose, fancy free. So I, I got out of that. I, I packed my bags. I moved to Western Australia and worked at agency over there, just casually over there because I just couldn't fathom committing to anything else in healthcare mm-hmm. and worked at another leading tertiary hospital over there. There's only one. <laughs> um, and worked in their, their NICU there, so working with itty-bitty babies. So I was surgical in Melbourne and then went medical um, over in WA, and that was fascinating, like babies. My smallest baby I cared for was 400 grams. And Oh, Wow. Being a midwife as well at that time, I found I was, particularly when I first went into NICU, I was very much, well, why can't the parents hold their babies? Why can't they do skin to skin? Oh, because Mm. of this, because of this. And I'm like, no, let's get them in. It's biologically, chemically, they need this. And um, so I think I ruffled a few feathers in my organizations that I worked at. It's amazing that innately you had that sort of philosophy before even becoming a mother too. Yeah, and before even thinking about becoming a mum, I just, Mm. mums need their babies. Mm. Um, And I found it really interesting working in WA because there was a high Indigenous population there as well that we saw come through the NICU. And I just, one quote that just really sticks with me, I was caring for a mother, um, her baby, sorry, and her mother. And she was saying, I forget the full context, but she's like, how do I get my mother love flowing if I'm not here? And so I think there was a circumstance that she had to go back up north and and I'm like, mother love, it's just, it flows through us. It is mm. there. But as healthcare professionals, we get can get very, we've got to do the things, got to do the jobs. Let's do that mm-hmm. efficiently because then I'm good, right? Um, but that sort of let's just get to the the bare roots, the grassroots of just, integration and care so whilst I was over there met my lovely Mitchell actually I'd met Mitch before that I'd sort of uh sneaky moved interstate to recover from burnout um (laughs) didn't follow a boy interstate though let's be clear about that um so was pregnant working in NICU and of course Mm -hmm. I was convinced that I would have a prem baby an extreme prem baby because that was my normal the abnormal Mm. was my normal um and worked up until I think about 34 weeks there because I then came back to Melbourne for a fortnight and flying. And that was my first pregnancy with Angus, which I was young, like I was 28 when I had him. So young mm. in my eyes. So your job is physically and emotionally demanding. How did that go with pregnancy? How did you feel emotionally and physically? Physically, I felt amazing. I was a lot younger than I am now. Um, whilst 
we're on our feet a lot. Um, being in the environment of NICU, you actually aren't moving around a whole lot. So you've got your pod, you've got your desk, you've got your chair, you're kind of just in that area. So physically I wasn't doing a lot of steps, which was mm-hmm. great. Um, and, you know, I would sit on my chair. I wouldn't stand the whole time. I would move around when I could. The only difference being in, an, I guess, that setting where I was working was they were very conscious of me being the pregnant one in the pod. So I didn't necessarily get the sickest of babies, the most demanding of babies. Mm. I wasn't put in ISO in the ISO units at all. I was very much taken care of. And I remember my manager, when I told her I was pregnant, she's like, oh, well, we'll take you off all of your nights. I'm like, no, no, oh, wow. I can I can do my stint. I know. I'm like, no, no, what? Like, P.S., who are you? Uh, what? Yeah, that has to be uncommon, surely. This does not make sense. So mm. in my previous um, workplace, your, your roster was 50-50 days and nights and 12-hour mm. shifts. So for that to happen, and I'm like, I, I can't do that. Someone's going to have to fill my spot. Oh, no, I can't do that. So mm. my last um, stint at work was on nights, and I found that last sort of fortnight doing 12-hour full-time nights, that just, that was too much. Mm. Um, But in saying that too, I was really cared for. I had the same babies the whole time. So for a fortnight of continuity of care was amazing for me because I know the babies and I know the parents. And I found it tricky when I was vomiting in bins (laughs) and (laughs) running out of the unit to go puke in the garden. I didn't think it was a very good look to be puking inside. So I would I got to go and I'd run. So um, mm. that lasted, morning sickness was about all day sickness, let's just say it. Mm. That was until about 25 weeks. Wow, that's a decent stint. Yeah, but, you know, if it's, it's it was an everyday thing for me. So I would work <laughs> out, I'd have sausage and I'd have toast with the windows down going to work. I would <laughs> found that if I overheated, I was more likely to get sick. So the babies that had humidity on, I would just be really quick with my cares and mm. you know you work out your little hacks and things so I, I I guess I was pretty lucky because my workplace really cared for me and my colleagues were really caring although not a lot of them knew I was pregnant um mm. the joy of wearing scrubs I remember um, one of my colleagues I bent down to like I squatted down to pick up something just before I'd finished work and I stood back up I dropped a pen whatever and she's like um like, what's happening there? Are you pregnant? I'm like, I'm like incredibly pregnant. I'm 34 I'm weeks. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to have this baby soon. Like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, oh, that's yeah, so well, funny. So I didn't, um, I guess, present as a giant pregnant human. I remember mm. being asked if my baby was healthy because I was so small. Oh, wow, what nice um, uh, comments people make. Hey? And I didn't even know who that colleague was. I, mm. I was like, oh, hi, I'm Claire. Like, mm. Hello. Another um, first introduction. Yeah. So I think that pregnancy was, I, I have done things so differently since, um, mm. but I was young, the, the beauty of being young. And I was fit at the time. I was doing triathlons. I was running. I was swimming. Wow. So a lot fitter than I was in my follow-up pregnancies. So then you moved to Melbourne. We dro- drove the Nullarbor with a three-month-old. Oh, wow. So you moved three months postpartum. Yes. And you had a pretty big experience in those first six months postpartum. Can you tell us a little bit about single parenting and going back to work too early and all of the different challenges you faced when your baby was still really young? Yeah. So 
we made the decision to move back from Perth. There, look, oh, there was a whole lot of family stuff for both of us going on at the time and we had both moved interstate for different reasons at different times but not necessarily the healthiest of reasons. Mm. Um, and having Angus, I was completely enthralled, com- obviously completely in love. Mitch was an incredible support. Um, through labour and birth and in that first initial period because we knew we were coming back. We still debate who made the decision to come back because <laughs> we'd love to be back at the beach. But, yeah, we came back and we we pretty much we drove the Nullarbor, which was amazing. And That's so brave. I love that. And we just, like, young, didn't think twice mm. because he would sleep. He would sleep right. for three or four hours. He we would drive for three or four hours. He loved it. So, right. yeah, we, we my little barina was packed to the the roof (laughs) and we came back we visited the family um on the way back and pulled up to my parents place and they have um a larger house so we were like can we just pit stop here until we sort out where we're going and what we're doing Mm. and it was almost immediate that we both got into the house and this is through no fault of my parents at all but we both just like cats on a hot tin roof just Mm immediately there was tension between us and if I'm honest it probably had started before that anyway but I was very accommodating in terms of yeah I'm the mum I'm doing all these things I'm the mum I'm everything yes I'm the mum I'll pack the house and look after the baby and do this 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 and this so I was very much well that's just what mums do we do everything right Mm. um and feeling socially isolated over there too was a really tricky thing for me you probably didn't want to bring up any other obstacles because that was probably enough to no, deal with. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, it, it was just, it took me by surprise how much I felt so different within myself having mm-hmm. Angus. And a lot of my identity was caught up in my work and I wasn't working. So mm. where was I getting my identity from? And I found, I found it really hard physically. Um, being fit coming into the pregnancy and then I had had a cesarean as well so I couldn't move I couldn't do the things that I Mm. usually could so mentally that was a bit of a challenge for me and then moving back you know I'd been gone for two and a half years nearly three years I think and so friendship groups move on it was all of this can't wait till you come back and then I'm like hi I'm back where is everyone? So Where's the welcoming I, party? Yeah. So I felt really um, isolated, first-time mum. Mm-hmm. I think Mitch had his own mental hurdles with having a son, financial pressures, um, where we lived was away from the workplace as well. So we just mm-hmm. had a lot of, we look, on on a piece of paper, we had all the risk factors ticked for a breakdown in a relationship. Um yeah. And that was really hard and really horrible, but I still understand where it came from. Um, And I still very much respect Mitch's decision to sort of effectively end the relationship at that point. Mm -hmm. How many months postpartum or how old was Angus then? So Angus was about five months, five or six months I was in. I'm a mum, I'm a mum, I've got to do these things. And I had just gone back to work as well just put him in da- in daycare mm-hmm. I had just done all of these things and then we we splitsville so so some drastic life changes huge huge and I had the luxury of mulling it all over when mm. we were together and then he's gone I'm like 
I have no luxury to mull. I just mm. have to do. Um, so tell us about that. So you pretend to work <laughs> at about yeah. the time a baby starts solids. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty early-ish in Australia. I mean, it's common, but it's definitely the early side. Tell us yeah. about that. You're a single parent. I believe you lived with your parents for a bit longer after that period. Tell us yep. about the actual intricacies of working as a single parent. I hadn't intended to go back to work at that point. I, in hindsight, it was way, way too early for me mentally, but also identity. I needed something to hold on to at that time. Mm. So I've had gone into work just to say hi. And they're like, oh, Claire, you're back. I'm like what? <laughs> Put on no? some scrubs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My manager's like, here, come to my office. Let's do this. This is our interview for you to come back. I'm like, wait, what? So I was very much, thank you, like flattered, thank you. Mm. But also, um, um, so I had gone back to shifts on the ward and I had gone back to teaching, which was on weekends. Is that teaching childbirth education? Childbirth education, yep. So that was a little bit more flexible in terms of it's during the day on a weekend and it's for two seats. Like it worked. Mm. And I, I happened to bump into them on the way out of the hospital. They're like, oh, Claire, I'll email you. I'm like, okay. So I've. so I would working in early I I tried as best as I can to pull in all of my favors to get only early shifts so starting Mm -hmm. at seven finishing at three and there was about a 45 50 minute um, commute either way so I would my dad would drop me to the train station at five in the morning get the train in hot foot it into work work my mum or my dad would then drop Angus into daycare which was heartbreaking wow. for them because they had no experience of daycare as well they're like oh my god how can you do this I'm like well <laughs> we have to and I have mm. to and that's just the way it is at the moment and then I'd pick him up unless my mum had gotten home earlier or my dad had gotten home earlier and pick him up and do that so I was really really lucky that I was at mum and dad's initially because you know they would cook me dinner and they would settle Angus if I let them Mm. of an evening um they were around to do that in between Mitch was around on a weekend as well so he would do the weekends that I was working and when I moved into my own place it was closer to work it was an area that I knew so I was able to um sort of get my supports around me in that sense and then I found a daycare on the way to work I would wake up at quarter to six I would get Angus up at five to six We'd be out the door by 10 past six. We would be at daycare at 6.31 because it opens at 6.30. You're not allowed in the centre until 6.31. Um, I'd give him a banana in the car on the way. I would have to leave by 6.35 from daycare Mm. because it then took me every part of that 25 minutes to go five kilometres to work. Mm. Run in the door, hopefully clock on on time, 6.59, clock in, get up, get up, hi, I'm ready. So, so you've pretty much done a day's work in the hour and a half yeah. leading up to work. Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like it. And look, my hot tips for those times is just, I would have to get everything ready the night before, like to the that point. That was my next I was, question. I was like, you know what? He's not going to have a bath in the morning. That's just it. I had to let that go. He's not going to get to sit down and have breakfast with me those two mornings of a, a midweek session. That's okay. Let that go. So a lot of it is being prepared to, all right, before I even sit on the couch, the, when I finish my shift, I'm just going to get ready for the next one. Uniform all out, Angus's clothes, his backpack, everything literally at the door. And, you know, the mornings that I'd wake him out of a deep sleep, I would just have to be content with struggling to get him dressed mm. or taking him in his jammies and telling them to 
getting dressed and or just riding with him on a tantrum and just I'm going to be late for work. Like mm. something's got to give. And at the moment, I, and I worked that out down the track. Um, I used to just go oh, quick, get dressed. No, 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 this is what we've got to do. But then I thought, you know what? He's only little for so long. Mm. He needs me at the moment. And that was the same with daycare drop off. You know, the days where he would cling to my leg, I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here and I'm staying here and work know where I am. They know what I'm up to. They know that I will be there. And I was really fortunate to have had some great management. And I think too, being a really hard worker leading up to going away, Mm. I like to think that I was valued. Yeah. And they knew that I would be the first person to stay back late and that I work hard when I'm there. So what I'm getting from all of that, that if parents are going through a single parenting while working, You need some self-compassion. You need to understand your child's emotions and tap into that when it is practical and when you really get that feeling that you do need to be there and you need to be really organised. Yeah, and just while you're saying that, I'm just thinking, so Angus is, he's my mirror for my emotions and I, I still to this day, if he is appearing off, I'm like, well, what's going on with me? So he was always very calming mm-hmm. in that sense for me when I tuned into him. And look, I would go to work and particularly when I worked in birth suite, I found it really hard because I was grieving that loss of ever having more children in my mind. That's where I was at. So I would is go that to- because of your separation? You thought, we'd separated, is, was that yeah. my only chance? And I I remember saying to my mum, well, I'm never having more kids. And she's like, well, Mm. what do you mean? I'm like, well, I don't ever want to have a different dad for my kids. Like that's just, I love him. This is outrageous. I still couldn't fathom the emotional side of things. And Mm. I would go to room nine and have a cry. And then I'd come back. all of that while being a working mother too. That's huge. It It was really tricky and it was really, I... The ability to switch off at work and go into autopilot was a godsend. Mm. Um, but I would find it would hurt myself because I would be so invested in my patients and so inv- and look at that beautiful partner. Oh, Mitch was a great partner. Oh, so yeah, I found it. Yeah, really tricky. Um, emotionally tricky. Physically, not so much. But in hindsight, I lost a lot of weight. I think I was a lot more stressed out than I thought I was. Mm. You were probably just keeping on moving because you have no choice yeah and look I was the days off that I had with Angus it was just us and for me I get really lonely Mm. and in in life oh lonely is a a, you know a a turmoil theme for me (laughs) but as a new mom I was like oh it's magnified tenfold so we would go walking Mm. all morning and so I was like doing incredibly big walks he'd be falling asleep in the pram and yeah and and then meal prepping and then doing all of that too and yeah just on a lot that's incredible and you went back to work early which you've said with hindsight you wouldn't do that now if you were to go through that again what did you learn from your huge experience in that postpartum period that you took into your subsequent pregnancies births and postpartum periods um it was a lot emotionally physically I was fine and Mm. um I was really proud to be able to get to work to do all this on my own like and I I I still it was the proudest I've ever felt of myself in that time too and I don't think I really realized that at the time until Mm. I was like whoa I've got my own place I get myself to work Angus is well loved and cared for like I felt so proud um as you should yeah and look 
Mitch and I, I have always maintained that I respected his decision and he is the father of my child at that point. And I will never badmouth him. Mm. And I was really adamant and my family really struggled with my attitude towards that. They were like, but he did this, this, this. I'm like, yeah, but I have a son with him and he is a brilliant dad. Yeah. And he's, he is a brilliant father. Um, and he, anything I asked for, if I dared to ask, because I'm a woman, hear me roar, I can do it all, do it all. (laughs) Um, he would do drop anything and, and do. So that was also very comforting. And we obviously got things back on track because we've now had two children since. So into my second pregnancy. Oh, oh, so yeah, we got I back together. I didn't this part. <laughs> How funny. I thought it was a different father and a different partner. So we worked Hot it out. twist. Yes. Um, look, we kind of just fell back together, to be honest, and probably could have done a bit more work on communication at that point. Uh, but look, it, it just happened the way it happened as it did when we first got together. And then we decided to try, I don't like saying try for a baby, but hey, mm. look, the next step in our family is to add to it. So had made that decision. And in terms of preparation for me, I knew that I wanted more time off on the other end of things. So I worked until 37 weeks with Darcy. Was that during the pandemic yet or is that to that come? Was, that was just at the start. So Darcy was born in the April and that was when we had the first mm. big lockdown, the first. <laughs> mm. So I had worked until, well, it would have been that February. So you clocked off just as COVID was about to ramp up essentially. Yeah, two, two weeks in, I think. So I had the joys of, oh, go get your masks fitted, the whole mm. turmoil around, do you wear a different set of clothes to work and then get changed at work? And why isn't work doing this, this and this? And I got told in no uncertain terms from a few obstetricians, like, why are you working? Like, mm. what do you, I don't know what you mean. It's actually the safest place to be because I know these people. Mm. I'm wearing a mask as well. So as a pregnant human, I felt very confident going into work, not mm. so much going to the supermarket, but work. I'm like, no, I can do this. I know, mm. I know these people and they need me in, in some capacity. So yeah, I worked until 37 weeks, which again, my colleagues are brilliant. They didn't give me the heavy patience. I wasn't working through birth suites. So I wasn't as physical. I was on the postnatal floor. So I was working, walking a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a rotation through special care, which is a smaller unit. So very much taken care of by my colleagues again. And I felt really good until the last week. Mm. And I'm like, no, cause my body knows and, and it's time to, to opt out here. So I felt really proud again for working until 37 weeks. And I knew on the other end of things, I would get more maternity leave mm. on that. It's end an of interesting things. topic because it is sort of that, when do you want to clock off? With how much, how much time do you want to relax before you give birth versus how yes. much time do you want with your baby? And it's actually a really tricky decision to make. Yeah, it is because it's that, well, I want more time with them when they're little, but I mm. know I need due diligence for pregnancy. And at the time I was preparing for a VBAC. So it's that I need to do work in that sense, but the mm. capacity to do that wasn't there. So I... And a bit of me time, by the way. You'd what is that? you a single parenting <laughs> period. Yeah. You're working. You were a mum already. Yeah, that was... Uh, look, thinking back, it was a lot. And so how long did you take for maternity leave for baby two and baby three? So Darcy, I was off seven months, I think, mm-hmm. but I just didn't want to go back. And I was really disappointed when I did. 
Mm. I remember. So why that. did you make that decision? Was it a financial decision? It or? was financial, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I had a different income stream coming through, but it was just fledgling. And look, Mitch and I had a, a few things going on as well in our relationship and different family things. So there was always mm. something going on. And it was just the easiest thing to go back to, mm. to be honest. It was what I knew is what I did very well in a, an abstract work sense, in a midwifery sense. I love it. Mm. Uh, in a hospital workplace sense, it, it, I knew it wasn't good in the long term for me. Mm. Um, so went back. We were at the stage of COVID where things were still locked down, but the kids could still go to daycare. So Darcy started daycare as well with Angus, which mm. I felt better about if that was possible. Mm. And look, there were less kids at daycare, so it was a lot nicer in terms of their connection with the educators and my connection with educators, but we weren't allowed in the center. I would still drop them off, get them going, drop them off. We lived a bit closer, so it wasn't quite so early to get up, but it was still like, I need to be out. The kids need to be in. Um, still a lot of project managing. Yeah, still a lot of, of that. And I think too, just going back a little bit to Angus and that postpartum period, I didn't have anyone else to rely on in that immediate time. So I didn't mm. have anyone to resent. For different reasons, I could absolutely resent Mitch, but he wasn't there day to day. If the dishes were in the sink, they were mine. All right, I'll just do them. Conversely, being back together with him mm. and the two kids, an and I'm like, dynamic. those dishes are in that sink. Why the F haven't you done those? So it was a really interesting time that and it is a gotten, new type of rage it really is I've never oh experienced gosh. anything like it and just like filthy at him for walking in the door mm. like it's really hard to articulate isn't it yeah and and also like so I'm three months postpartum now I'm like what mm. are my hormones doing at three months because he walks in and I'm like not good enough instantly and it's just this it blows my mind how mm. much you can just like loathe the person you're with while simultaneously saying, I adore you. Mm. I, in my bones, I adore you. But right now. So now you're three months postpartum. Tell us a little bit about how that's panning out this time, what it's like being a mother of three and how you plan to return to work if you do, or is it your business that's going to take over your work? Yes. So um, as all good Melbournians in a pandemic and lockdown, I started a business in lockdown with mm. a second child. So I had started my hypnobirthing business sort of on the side. So I was working during the week and then teaching on a weekend privately. And so that continued throughout lockdowns and COVID and small children. And that's on hold at the moment, but we'll recommence looking into next year. So I, I don't recall having problems this pregnancy with the physicality of working. Uh, I was working more in special care, so physically not moving a whole lot, but 12-hour shifts. Mm. So it did mean that Mitch would do pick-up. Uh, he wouldn't do drop-off, but he would do pick-up. And unbeknownst to me, I learned this out only recently, that within our EBA, within healthcare and midwifery and nursing, we've actually got a return to work um clause or we can dictate what our shifts are for the first 12 mm. months postpartum so and I didn't realize that with Angus and I didn't realize it until quite later with Darcy going back um so I was able to well these are my working days mm. kind of be a bit hard about it and be like well I'm working this day this day and also being friends with the people that do rosters was 
really great. And they would call me, <laughs> hey, what are your availabilities? I know that you're fairly limited with daycare. And so I was very well accommodated in that sense. I was a lot more vocal with my roster being pregnant the third time. So I knew my So capacity. you were doing night shifts pregnant with your third as a mother of two? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but nights are kind of, uh, it's just the healthcare worker in me. They're kind mm. of nice because you actually, wow, it's different right now, but you actually get a chance to talk to mums because mm. they want, they kind of want to chat and I kind of need the chat. I mean, three, four, five, six, seven a.m., not so pretty, but everything mm. before that mm. is relatively okay. So the work is a little bit different. Um, there's less staff on. So look, in that capacity, you're busier. Working in birth suite, you get women that come in in labor and it's amazing. And you know, my last couple of births that I was working with women, like I just literally sat on the ground with them. I'm like, this is midwifery. Like, this is what you do it for. And I had, I remember it. I had two other midwives helping, doing the paperwork, fussing over there. And I'm sitting on the ground watching this woman birth her baby. And she's like, what do I do now? I'm like, well, you're doing it. And so those moments for me, so like night shift, ugh, but also night shift. You know, you, you obviously get... love what you do too, which is super important. Oh, I just remember, like, just remembered it. Yeah. And that's Mm. the thing too. And, you know, you know, there were a few um, obstetric emergencies that me and a colleague went through on a few night shifts, like (laughs) subsequent night shifts together. And look, by the end of it, we're like, all right, boom, 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 boom. So in a medical sense, we, you just get good at doing the things. Mm. Um, In a midwifery sense, you're actually with, with women birthing and that's why we do it so going into maternity leave this time and having my own experience of continuity of care with midwives it's just lifted off another layer I think to where I want to take my work how I'm going to integrate back into hospital work but how I'm also I'm moving into private practice as well so it's just bringing it all together in the way that I had never anticipated because I was always about the sick babies, the babies, right? Mm. Now I'm like, oh, the mothers. Yeah. Like these people that are birthing these humans so powerfully. And- I love that it's taken you until your oh. third to actually think about yourself instead of your children. <laughs> this is the perfect segue though. Can you tell us a bit about your business and what your plans are next year? It's been 12 months in the making, to be honest, and my anniversaries are all coming up. The reminders to renew things are coming up. So I've completed my prescriber's course to move in to be a private midwife, so providing antenatal and postpartum care initially, and then I'll move into home birth when I think I can manage childcare, I think, but I don't know if I'm using that as an excuse. (laughs) Um, So home birth midwife, continuity of care midwifery, looking into 2023. And, oh gosh, I'm so nervous talking about this part because that this is the juice of me. Mm. I've got an online course um, and just ridiculously passionate about burnout in healthcare. Like I know such burnout a big happens topic. everywhere. It's huge. And it's especially come to the fore after COVID too. I think for the first yes. time all of us in different industries actually appreciate and understand what healthcare workers go through every day, not just through a pandemic. Yeah. And it's, we were burnt out anyway. Mm. And we were burnt out 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. And Mm. then 
and then everything happened and it's like a magnifying and you're finally glass put into the everything. spotlight yeah and wow you guys are great yeah all right well what are we going to do about it we mm. are we like we know we are mm. people that have experienced our care know we are and this goes mm. in the wellness model and in the sickness model and and all through allied health but the, the things that I focus on now in terms of prevention of burnout in healthcare, like we see traumatic things every day mm. and trauma can be, I haven't had a wee for eight hours and I didn't know I had to really think about if I had a wee and I didn't get to eat all day because I'm working. I mm. understand that. But then traumatic can be this woman burst her human and she's now in ICU and the baby's in special care and, oh, my God, what happened? Mm. So we've got such a scope and if we don't learn to process that as healthcare workers, we just put it in our backpack for later. And not to mention also the physicality of night shifts. I know you handle it quite yeah. well, but some people wouldn't. So there's the emotional stress of such a big job and so much responsibility. I mean, you're responsible for life. But yeah. then there's also weird sleeping schedules, Ugh. irregular working schedules. There's so much to it. Yeah, and look, my one thing that I I, I eat my way through a night shift, so that, that always gets me through and <laughs> I'll know what I feel like when I feel like it. I'm very carb-heavy. If I start the sugar roller coaster early, then I don't get off at the whole shift. So I am not perfect by any stretch, but a good old cheese toasty at three in the morning is heaven. Mm. And and sort of working that out and and staying hydrated is really, really important. You're not probably going to get your wee break, but look, as it, you're so amazing. It's so great. It's actually quite harrowing mm. physically and emotionally. And then if you've got anything funky going on personally, it's just you either address it or you cannot deal with it. And you know mm. yourself when you're hitting capacity because, well, for me personally, I, I know when I'm hitting capacity because I stop caring at work. Mm. I stop being the midwife that I want to be and that I am on the inside. I just, yep, get it done, get it done, get it done, get them out, get them in. And unfortunately, that's a lot of what midwifery carries or, or hospital-based midwifery at the moment is get them in, get them out. Bada bing, bada boom. Mm. So um, burnout's a problem for everyone. It really is. It really is. And the thing I think about too and reflect on is that midwifery is is predominantly female-led. I've met one male midwife. He's amazing. We are generally caregivers at home too. We're generally mm. mothers. So we've mm. got like this double whammy coming at us professionally mm. and personally and professionally we don't learn how to I don't like using self-care but it's probably the best blanket term that I can use we don't learn that at school you know mm. we don't learn that unless we've had a really low low that we need to build up from and we work it out ourselves so I'm really really beyond passionate about that and it goes beyond just you know have your tea break well you can't always have your tea break but let's mm. work out other different mechanisms. things that we can do on the shift, like breathing is huge, um, very hard to do with a mask on now. Um, <laughs> and, yes, fueling our bodies for good, not evil, and connection with our peers on a, a positive social way, not in that trauma bonding negative kind of mm. debrief, you know, connecting outside of work, uh, moving our bodies like we love our bodies, not just, oh, yep, up these stairs again, you know, all of these different elements. <laughs> we don't learn unless we do it the mm. hard way so so when is this course launching okay so high hopes for another round before the end of the year um but big guns blazing for 2023 so i've got a lot of uh sort of foot footsteps foothills foothills <laughs> smaller foothills. foothills to climb before <laughs> i get to the big mountain um awesome 
but just like beyond because we look, we need it. We needed it anyway, but we definitely mm. need it so much more. Um, and it's sort of like that. How do I encourage and motivate caregivers to care for themselves when it's the last thing we put on our priority priority list mm. as in a professional sense? So that's, that's my hurdle. Something you're moment. working with at the moment. Well, you've got yeah. a three month old as well as two other sons. Oh yes. So you just They're got a bit on your plate. They're all, all the right. plates are spinning. <laughs> They're okay. So Claire, we always put a call out on Instagram to see if we have any questions for our guests. So we've got five today from our followers. The first one is what was it like being a midwife and parent during COVID? I imagine huge burnout and stress, which is so relevant to everything we've talked about today. Absolutely. Um, being a parent in COVID was actually, because I'd had Darcy at the very start of our lockdowns, I really enjoyed it, mm. weirdly so. But I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to be anywhere. I didn't have to go to rhyme time. I didn't have to do swimming lessons and baby <laughs> bounce. And I found it really quite nice in the postpartum period. My uh, Angus at the time was three and a half, so he still went to daycare as an essential worker, albeit on maternity leave, he still went to daycare. So I had a lot of freedom. I had a lot of just space for myself. And when I wanted to dip out, I could. And we live right next door to a cafe as well. So I found it really good. Um, going back to work, again, I was really disappointed that I was physically going back to work, let alone mm. into just a simmering pot of stress and fear and opinion and tension and oh everything that came along with it and just like palpable fear mm. and I would feel it as I would walk in and and really have to consciously let it go before I made the transition to daycare and to pick up professionally I just said it was just a, a simmering pot of just not good a good place to be <laughs> without swearing um really stressful on the ward I found that our women and partners that were coming in were coming in with a lot of fear and stress as mm. well so which is hard because it's meant to be this beautiful time yeah and you've already like you've got that baseline fear and oh my god I'm a mm. new parent and then you've got the COVID element to it mm. and it's just yeah it's just a lot more layers to work through to get to like the crux of hey you've had a baby Mm. Um, so just a lot more energetic work, um, a lot more physically taxing because our, um, we don't have ratios where I work. So we've got five mamas, we've got five babies, we've got five partners, night shifts are even worse than that. You've got 10 at different times, 10 mums, 10 babies. So mm. physically it was a lot more taxing because of that. Plus you're dealing with your own, I guess, mental hurdle of, COVID and what this means for me and what's it mean going family. into the future and family and um, different things like that. Um, it's a huge time. Yeah, but less traffic on the road. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You're an optimist is what I get from oh, all of your answers. Which you I have like. to be far out. You have to be. So, yeah. And the next question is how to organise care around an often changing work schedule. Yeah, so I said this before, I was really, really lucky with management that I came back to. I had worked with them for a number of years prior to leaving for maternity leave. Um, so I was able to, hey, guys. Um, so a lot of respectful, um, I guess, considerations. And the people that have come before me are mothers. So mm. they get it. They understand it. And, you know, there's 
many times I was in the tea room like, how do we do it? And I remember this obstetrician, she's like, it's called the mental load. You can't do it. You're not supposed to do it all. So she was really helpful. Um, so it was more about for you about your workplace being flexible to your shifts and working care around that rather than we need you tomorrow. Oh, dear, I have yeah. to organise care. Yeah, and because I had my set daycare days, mm. um, I was three days during the week and then a weekend shift. So I knew I knew what I could do. I knew my mm. capacity. Uh, Mitch knew my capacity. He knew what he needed to do. My shifts were usually two weeks in advance, which, God, let's talk about shift work in that sense. If you get a set (laughs) roster, oh, my God. Um, So it it was good then. And I was able to pick up more shifts, like a night shift I could do quite easily. Um, Mm. And also our EBA, like if I really wanted to get down to it, I could refuse a shift and that's completely within my rights to do so in in that 12-month period. So it depended really how badass I wanted to be about it. I didn't necessarily have to get to that point though so so this one's a big question and I love it but we're going to try and keep it brief because we both agree that this is about (laughs) an hour worth of a conversation in and of itself but it's such a great question as a midwife what do you wish pregnant mothers did more of post-birth or during labor yeah so I actually thought about this one and I have an answer in a sentence for you wait for it hold on (laughs) wait for it um (laughs) just trust yourself Trust yourself and don't wait until coming through the front doors of the hospital or wherever you're choosing to birth to learn about birth and Mm. your body and your capability and your intuition. Great answer. So the next one is how to avoid or manage burnout. Such a physical and emotional job plus parenting on top of that, this person says. Yep. So I am very good at the physical element, I think, um, as in getting my lunchbox prepared um, getting my children prepared and having everything like being to the minute, this is what we're doing. Um, I am less firm with my mental Mm. headspace with burnout and things. I'm getting better. Um, the more I learn about how to move trauma, the better I am at it. But thinking about this one, it's being really firm in your professional boundaries. And so for me, particularly, I've brought in that well, when I have a break, when I get a break, when I prioritize my break, <laughs> it'll be off the ward. I'm not taking my phone with me. I'm telling my patients what's happening and or removing any guilt for going and having a wee when a call bell is on. Mm. And and it's really about how I see myself as a midwife, what makes me a good midwife. Um, I can still give exceptional care while still maintaining my health and my professional boundaries too. Not getting sucked into the politics of the thing is really important for me too because I go headfirst um, and I find that really negatively affects me and then how I show up at home. So just really knowing my boundaries and enforcing them. If, if and when I guess someone comes to vent to me as well, really keeping it, I guess, contained in that bubble and and just mm. sort of listening and then going, not, not my problem, you know, not my circus, not mm. my monkeys. Um, I love that saying. Like, I can't really help. I just I have these conversations in the tea room. Like mm. there'll be grads writing their notes as they're eating. I'm like, you've got to stop. Mm. They're like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, you've got to stop because you're already on the downhill path. You've got to mm. just... You've got to break this bad habit. Yeah, everything will be It's hard to because it's all with good intention, right? They just want to be the best that they can, but eventually it's going to negatively impact their health, which impacts their work too. So that's a a great tip. 
So for our last question, this person says, returning to work full-time when baby is young, six months old, how to manage this and maintain supply? Yeah, so as a midwife, my scope is up to six weeks postpartum. So the intricacies of it in terms of uh, expressing and or managing breastfeeding, I professionally can't really give a whole lot of advice. Um, But what I did and... I did notice a really dramatic change in my supply when I have gone back to work. Um, again, comes to that boundaries. I, as a healthcare worker, I'm entitled to expressing breaks over and above my usual tea breaks, which anyone who works in healthcare knows that tea breaks are not generally a thing <laughs> that you have. So it's about, I guess, the expectation that I'm either not going to express for eight hours throughout a day, or I used to before I got to work. Um, but that got too much for me physically, or I would after I finished work, but then I'd be late for daycare pickup. So it's Mm. about working out what works for you. Um, But in terms of your milk supply, you still need that stimulation throughout the day. Your body still needs to know that you're lactating, that there's a baby to be fed at some point. Mm. Um, It can be done, absolutely. Um, But it's it's about setting those boundaries and trying to, I guess, perhaps stick to some sort of schedule yeah. so that it's... and managing your own expectations I think mm. and just just before we move on from that one really making sure that there are really firm boundaries about hydration and nutrition we were talking about mm. it before that you're just thirsty all the time mm. your body is creating and making fluid you need more calories mm. you need more hydration and, and your milk will be hi- dehydrated if you're dehydrated. Absolutely. And your body mm. will pull from your reserves to fuel this baby. It's just how mm. we're built. The, the never-ending um, giving of a mother, and particularly mm. a lactating mother, it's you really just have to be so conscious and so protective of, well, I am still lactating, um, but, you know, water and food, basics, are really basic. You just have to maintain and have really, really firm boundaries with your breaks and your food. So Claire, if anyone wants to find your work or your business online, where do they go? Yes. So midwifery care is through my website, twobirthbeautifully.com.au. My midwife mentoring portal is also through that website as well. But on Instagram, you can find me at your midwife mentor and uh, at twobirthbeautifully. And I've also got a podcast too, which is your midwife mentor podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for this chat today. It's been really illuminating learning about everything that midwives do for us, but also what you do as a working parent. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed the chat and sharing and just hopefully we can figure better things from here. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. In acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, each episode I'll be doing a shout out to an Indigenous business or charity doing great things. This week it's Laundry Gallery, a creative hub located in Darwin. Housed in a reimagined iconic 70s era laundromats, it represents modern iterations of Indigenous art and culture providing an accessible pathway for age-old stories to coexist with the modern world. You can check out their beautiful art and more by searching Laundry Gallery on Instagram, online or in person in Darwin. That's all for today. See you next time.